This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 203, What If I Can't Pay the Premiums? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. I want you to think back to a time in your financial life when you started something really big. Maybe it was when you took your very first car payment or your first home mortgage. I want you to think back to the excitement, the promise of the experience, setting aside cash every single month, the pride that came with that. Now, fast forward to some point in the future, and all of a sudden, the shininess of that new car has worn off and times have dramatically changed. Not only does the excitement and the thrill of responsibility fade away, but your other commitments are starting to now tug at your shirt sleeves. And in fact, you're behind on some other bills. Maybe it was a health emergency or a job loss or a home repair that took you off your game. Whatever the reason, what was once a perfectly acceptable monthly expense has turned into dread. What was once the promise of the future is now the regret of the past. You're concerned that maybe you'll lose the car or the house or, or whatever. And there's all this shame and pain that would go along with all that. So your only one step now is to try to work something out with the people or the banks who are expecting your money. Now, let's think about the bank on yourself concept. You know, usually on this podcast, we dwell quite a bit on the benefits and the flexible options available for policyholders, people ready to think different with their money. We've talked a lot about how to use this tool for real estate investing or paying for large expenses like your tax bill or your kid's college. We've talked a lot, a lot about how this can help you beat other saving strategies and give you a substantial tax-free income in retirement. And certainly, it's a life insurance policy, so it's specifically designed to solve the legacy need as well, leaving a legacy to your family. But I want to spend a little time today talking about something that we all experience when we start a brand new bank on yourself type policy. In fact, Earlier this year, I started several policies. These were very large policies, and we've been very proud to start them. We started both of them at the exact same time, roughly. And I was excited, thrilled at the prospect of having added to our Bank on Yourself portfolio and seeing the cash value growing significantly as the years progress. However, I also felt the fear of committing to a large amount. How was I going to make that lump sum each month, each year? Seems like a tall order. Now, I bet almost every one of our clients goes through at least a moment, goes through a similar experience. No doubt there are some situations where life is going to throw us a curveball. Even if we start with the best of intentions, the best laid plans of mice and men can still go wrong. So what are our options if and when life does not work out as planned? What if I can't pay the premiums as I intended to into my bank on yourself design policy? Or what if I don't want to pay forever? maybe only for a limited period of time. Am I forced to pay premiums into retirement years for the rest of my life? That's what we're going to be covering these questions and more, as well as some options you have in today's episode. So let's jump right on in. Now, the first thing I'll mention is that the insurance company wants you to have options. That's right. There's a myth out there that the insurance company wants you to fail. That's 
I can understand that. Seems reasonable enough. You know, you pay all this money in and then they take it all and sorry about you. Have a good life, right? But if you really think about this, why would the insurance company want you to stop sending them premium? <laughs> you know, they understand that life happens. And as an industry, they've worked with tens or even hundreds of millions of people over 100 plus years. And more importantly, the people at these insurance companies are also people too. They get it. They get it. Sometimes life doesn't always serve us with a silver platter. Sometimes income changes can force us uh, to change our premium amounts to our whole life insurance policies. So the insurance company doesn't want you to stop completely just because of a, you know, a missed opportunity or a one month of missed premium. The insurance company wants to give you options. And in just a moment, we'll get into what those options are, plus a bonus strategy that we'll get into as we wrap up our episode. But before we do that, let's talk for just a minute about how this whole life insurance policy might be compared to other investments or other saving strategies or other bills in your financial life. Life insurance is not quite like a bill, like a mortgage. However, it has some features of a mortgage that might be relatable here. So in fact, there is a monthly or annual bill that comes to you in the mail that they expect you to pay. This is sort of like a mortgage payment, if you like. You know, I don't get a bill from my savings account every month or every year. I don't get a bill from my 401k or my brokerage account either. So some people might wonder, well, hey, is this a feature or a bug? I don't like getting bills. Some people see this as a burden, but other people see this as an interesting feature to bank on yourself. How many other savings vehicles will put you on a forced savings plan like this, where they literally send you a bill reminding you about contributing to your financial future? Now, at the same time, if we think about this like real estate, another contract we have is the mortgage or say our property taxes. Now, it's not exactly optional to pay my mortgage, right? Um, just like that. A life insurance company, your mortgage company, wants you to have options too. They don't want to go through a lengthy process of repossessing your house just because you were one day late on your month's mortgage payment. They want you to stay in that house. They want you to keep paying your mortgage. And just like that, the insurance company wants you to keep paying your premiums. Everybody wins. You win, the company wins when you keep your end of the deal and pay those premiums, so to speak. So we've talked in other episodes about the power of a forced saving strategy as it compares to the oh-so-average investing strategy of, quote, dollar cost averaging. Many people listening probably have automatic withdrawals coming from their checking account or going into a brokerage account, or maybe it's going directly automatically into a 401k out of your paycheck every month. The problem with the oh-so-average strategy of dollar cost averaging is that you're buying at the worst times. As the market goes up higher and higher and higher, you're just buying more and more expensive stock. This strategy of dollar cost averaging mathematically causes you to underperform the overall market dramatically. Now, if you want more detail on this, please go back and listen to episode 164, where I blow apart the myth of dollar cost averaging. So nowhere else in the financial universe that I'm aware of literally sets up a contract to get you on a saving strategy that builds your wealth guaranteed and puts that money out of your checking account and right into the saving strategy. The only thing that does that is a true bank on yourself designed whole life policy. A 401k can't do that. Again, there's nothing guaranteed about your 401k. Your mortgage 
uh, sort of does it, except after 30 years, your 30-year mortgage only guarantees you that your house is paid off. It does not guarantee what the house might be worth. That's a key distinction right there. Only a whole life insurance policy provides the feature of giving you a minimum guaranteed future value, okay, minimum guaranteed future value, and then correctly calculates the amount of money needed to save for that future. And then to take it even a step further, it tactically helps you by automatically drafting an amount out of your checking account to help get you to your financial goals. Talk about a one and done solution. I love it. I love it. But we've talked enough about how this can benefit you in good times. I want to spend this episode talking to you about the options you have if, like Mike Tyson loves to say, your wonderful financial plan gets punched in the face. So let's get into five options and one bonus strategy you'll have if you cannot pay your premiums. Option one, lower down how much you're putting into the policy. This one is so simple, it bears repeating. If you can't make your full premium payment, just lower it down. Virtually everybody we work with tells me a number when we originally sit down to chat that they feel comfortable with that would be a challenge for them to save into their policy. For example, maybe that number is $2,000 a month. I'll set that as our target premium as I engineer the policy the bank on yourself way. What I mean by that is the vast majority of that target amount, that 2000 bucks a month, would be optional to you. Meaning, for example, if you could only pay 1000 bucks a month due to a health crisis or something, then you'd have the option to lower your premium down from 2000 bucks a month to 1000 bucks a month. Why is that possible? How is that possible? Can't do that with my mortgage, really. That's because the paid up additions makes up the majority of that $2,000 target amount every month. And it's considered an optional payment by the insurance company. Paid up additions are considered optional. Now, if you want to learn more about this particular option, listen to episode 142, where we dive more into the paid up additions writer. Now we have a form that we offer our clients at Lake Growth Financial Services, where they simply online request to change their amount for this particular month or year or whatever, and we make the adjustment for them at the insurance company. I, it really, I can't think of anything simpler. And so, oh, by the way, let's say that you got back on your feet and you want to catch up what you missed. For example, let's say last year, instead of paying that $2,000 a month you hoped to put in, you could only put in $1,000 a month each month for the entire year. That's 12 months missed. You know, let's say that this year you're back on your feet. You feel more financially solvent. So you move your monthly contributions back up to the planned $2,000 a month. At the end of this year, you get a year end bonus and you're not sure what you can do with it, but you give us a call at our offices and we look into your policy and we realize that, Hey, wait a minute. There's a paid up additions amount that you missed last year, but we'll catch it up this year. So on top of the $2,000 a month, you're also able to catch up the extra $12,000 you missed last year back into your policy. That means literally over the course of this current year, you paid in $36,000 altogether into a policy that was only supposed to hold 2000 bucks a month. Now that is pretty incredible. Uh, you actually got yourself back on track toward your financial future, even after a full year of missing your planned contributions to your future. Now, again, compared to what, right? Could a 401k or Roth IRA let you catch up if you missed last year or three years in a row? No, tough luck. Um, by the way, a lot of people who fund their policy annually 
uh, get stuck with a year when they can't come up with that annual payment. Another example here, let's say your original target amount was $30,000 a year. And let's say that you plan to pay that with your annual windfall from your business or whatever. But let's say your business falls on hard times and you can't come up with the full lump sum. You are welcome to either pay the minimum out of which might be $10,000, $12,000, let's say. Uh, and you could even cut that down, that smaller amount down into a monthly bill of 800 bucks a month to 1,000 bucks a month. So your $30,000 a year problem just became an $800 a month manageable expense. This is effectively moving from the red belt strategy down to the white belt strategy. Now, if you want more information on the ninja belts of bank on yourself, go back and listen to episode 190. So option one is to simply lower the payment down. Simple as that. Option two, do a premium offset do a premium offset. And there's kind of two ways to do that. So some people say to me, Mark, well, hey, that's fine. I'm gl glad to hear that I can lower down my payment. But what if I can't even come up with the smaller amount, the 800 bucks a month? What if I can't even come up with $8 a month for my policy? What are my options at that point? Well, you can choose to surrender cash value in the whole life policy and use that cash to pay for the policy's premium due. Again, agents often refer to this method as an offset. So functionally, the policyholder is surrendering paid up additions and using that to fund the cash value uh, for the policy's premiums due. So the process of using a surrender of paid up additions to pay premiums involves basically the, the owner of the policy uh, telling us to do that. We'll help them get it done uh, or calling the insurance company directly. Usually the paperwork is fairly simple. It doesn't really require a lot of headache. It will show a loss in your death benefit. Your death benefit will come down. This is because you're surrendering money out of the policy. You're taking money out. It's almost like a withdrawal out of the policy. So a separate semi-related option is to pay whole life premiums with policy loans instead. So similarly to paying the premiums with surrendered cash value, the policyholder could also pay premiums with a loan from his or her policy. This is a key difference. There's a key difference here between using loans to pay the premium or cash surrenders. When you borrow against your life insurance policy to pay your premium, uh, you know your, your bank on yourself designed policy will allow the cash value to continue to grow even on the capital you borrowed out. So this has the effect of continuing the financial growth of your policy as if you were still paying your premiums out of pocket. To me, most of the time, this is a better choice by far than surrendering your cash value to pay premiums if you believe you'll be back on your feet at some point in the future. While the policy loans that you're taking to fund the policy itself will accumulate interest, the growth on your policy will be even greater. In fact, we designed the policies with this option automatically set up in case something unexpected happens. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, we helped a wonderful lady set up a policy a number of years ago now. Uh, for a few years, she then faithfully was paying her premiums, throwing money in every month. And then all of a sudden, she disappears. And we didn't know where she went. We tried to send her letters. We couldn't get through. We emailed her, called her. No answer. For an entire year, the policy was not funded with her bank account. I didn't know what had gone on. Maybe she died. Maybe she was kidnapped. I didn't know what was going on. But when we originally set up her policy, we included an automatic loan provision. 
which tells the insurance company effectively that, hey, anytime premiums can't be drafted out of the bank accounts on this policy, just take a policy loan to cover the premium. That allowed the policy to stay in force and didn't collapse on itself. So this story does have a happy ending. She was traveling the world as a missionary. She had decided to go off-grid, turning off her banks and getting all of the financial stuff shut down for the year while she was gone, stopping all financial matters here in the United States. I'm sure her family and friends knew where she was, but you know, didn't think to call her financial planner. That's okay. You know, I'm not offended, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, when she turned back up, we were so glad to hear she was okay. Uh, and we let her know what had happened to the policy too. She was, she had had a full year of life insurance coverage as well as continued to receive guaranteed cash value growth on the policy. Even better, her policy continued to earn interest on the money she had borrowed automatically borrowed to cover her premiums while she was gone. She returned to the United States. She was able to pay off the policy loan. And crucially, the retirement money she had planned on in the policy didn't skip a beat. I mean, guys, seriously, show me a brokerage account. Show me a 401k that can do all of that. So you guys got to know that while this is a default option for a lot of whole life policies, it's not a default option for all whole life policies. So you definitely want to work with a bank on yourself professional who knows that this option exists and can make sure that it's added or adjusted on your existing life insurance policy. We want to give you options, not take away options. So reach out to me and we can set that up for you. Go to 1-800-962-9141. Just dial that number, 1-800-962-9141. And let's get on the calendar to chat. Option three, pay using dividends. Again, we're looking at the options you have when you can't pay for these premiums out of pocket. So the third option is use the policy's dividends to cover its expenses. All dividend paying whole life insurance policies allow you a couple of different options with dividends. While most of our clients let the dividends purchase more paid up additions to accelerate the wealth in the policy, technically you could also be paid a dividend as a check in the mail. You could use it to reduce or pay premiums, or you could even take your dividends and let them sit at the insurance company earning some interest. Now, out of those four options, you might be able to guess which one I'm going to talk about today, and that is letting the dividend reduce or pay premiums, which is the whole point of our episode today. So these dividends are very flexible. They're able to do quite a bit. Uh, they can multitask, right? So these are very critical, important thoughts on using the dividend option. First and foremost, you got to have a dividend paid on the policy that's at least equal to the policy's premium amount. If the dividend is less than the premium amount due, the insurance company will still send you a bill for the unpaid amount. You're still responsible for whatever the dividend doesn't cover. The bottom line is that owning, participating, or dividend-paying whole life insurance gives you tons of options from the dividend to pay your premiums in the future. Fortunately, dividends are one of those great flexible options for you. Option four, reduce pay up your policy. Another option to achieving a no more premiums due status with your whole life policy is using what's called the reduce paid up non-forfeiture benefit. Boy, what a mouthful that is. So the reduce paid up benefit uh, is something where you're able to, if let's say, for example, you found yourself unable to pay premiums and not only do you not want to borrow from the policy to cover premiums, and you don't want to withdraw money from the policy to pay premiums, nor do you want your dividends to cover your premiums. You're, in fact, you are done. You are so done funding this policy forever. 
you have no desire to add money to it ever again. Now, there could be a number of reasons for this. Maybe you've decided that you've got enough money for retirement. Maybe you intend to never add cash to this ever again in your retirement years. You don't expect any windfalls or any inheritance or any cash that would ever need to go into this policy. And in fact, you know, maybe half of our retiree clients select this option to reduce pay up their policy. The reduce paid up option allows the whole life policy owner to keep a portion, a portion of his or her death benefit in force and continues to benefit from other features of the whole life policy. For example, the guaranteed cash value growth and the dividends on the policy. So this immediately makes the policy paid up for life. The death benefit created by a reduced paid up option is dependent on the cash value. Okay, so on the day that you reduce pay up your policy, it will exercise the option to reduce down your death benefit. For example, let's say Trudy has a whole life insurance policy with a million dollar death benefit and a $250,000 cash value. Let's say she decides to exercise her right to reduce pay up her policy. Upon triggering the option, Trudy will still have $250,000 in cash value, but her death benefit will become $600,000, a big drop. She'll pay no future premiums, but she'll continue to earn dividends on the policy. And so her cash value and her death benefit will continue to grow again on those dividends. She'll also have the ability to withdraw money, take policy loans from the policy. This strategy will allow you to continue to build up your cash value. Your cash value is not reduced at all. Go back and listen to those numbers again if you need it again. The premium offset options uh, I mentioned earlier would show your cash value start to slowly shrink as you're using that cash value to pay for itself. So if you don't want to see your cash value shrink, use the paid up option. That's a good strategy for you if you want to stop any ongoing costs on the policy and want to use the cash value as your most efficient means for retirement income. The reduced pay up option is the best one if you want to look at this as a pure income play in retirement. However, please realize that the decision of reduced pay up is irreversible. Once you've changed your whole life policy to a paid up status, you cannot unchange your mind if that's a thing. Uh, and, and start to fund it again. So if great aunt Mildred leaves you that big inheritance, and let's say you want to put it into your policy, you're out of luck. That said, maybe in your bank on yourself policy, you've been borrowing against the cash value and you've been spending that money as tax-free income in retirement. Let's say that you're you know, 80 years old and now your policy loan is a whopping $500,000 at that point. So let's say great aunt Mildred was kind enough to leave you exactly $500,000. Well, hey, this is a, a great retirement extension funding project. You're able to take her wonderful inheritance and use that to pay off the policy loan, effectively refueling your policy for more retirement years or larger income over your retirement. Even though you can't add any more premium, you can always pay off policy loans. Option five, surrender and cash in the policy. Now, some people wonder if they're getting into their whole life policy, if it amounts basically to a lifetime of indentured servitude. Now, we've already discussed that nothing could be further from the truth. You can always reduce or even permanently stop the premiums in your policy and still enjoy policy benefits. However, you also have the right to simply cash out, walk away. This is absolutely within your rights to do that. Now, I know very few of our clients that have ever done this but it's technically possible. So I'd like you to know about it. 
Now, if you do this, the insurance company will send you a check for the cash value of the whole life policy on the day you requested policy termination. So you may want to think twice before cashing in such a policy, as this decision is permanent and other options you have might be a better choice. While I completely understand wanting to simply just walk away from the project, sometimes just washing your hands of something uh, is just emotionally the right thing to do, there are significant tax advantages of keeping your policy in force. For example, if there are gains in the cash value and you surrender your policy, those gains are realized and become taxable to you right away. So for example, let's say that Derek has a cash value of $50,000. He no longer wants this life insurance policy. He just wants the cash value. So he sends in the request. Let's say that he's over his lifetime put in a total of $40,000 of his own money into the policy as premium. If he was to surrender the policy and walk away, he'd be taxed on the gains, the $10,000. So he might only get a check in the mail for $47,000, not $50,000. Okay. And then he's got to do something with the 50 grand. What's he going to do with it? Put it in a savings account, 401k. On the other hand, uh, if he keeps the policy in force, if he keeps the life insurance and he does a reduced pay up, he still has the same effect. No more premiums are due. And then he can watch his 50,000 grow to 54,000, 57,000 over the years, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, one last option. People might not want the cash value, but they might just want a permanent death benefit. Maybe that's all they wanted this policy to be for them. Just a permanent policy. If you prefer that method, you could take all of your cash value and use it to buy extended term insurance that would last as long as you live. This is the option you might want to take if you're just looking for the longest period of life insurance, but you don't need or want to pay for this policy ever again. I want that to sink in for a minute. After decades and decades of not paying for this policy, the insurance company would still guarantee your family a death benefit. Again, if let's say you had a policy of, of, of $1 million death benefit, and you wanted to be sure to leave $1 million for your family, but you didn't want to have to keep paying for that policy. Your cash value could essentially cover that death benefit expense for the rest of your life. So for example, assume Beth has a whole life policy worth $500,000, and she's got a $100,000 cash value. Let's say she'd like to exercise the extended term insurance option on her whole life policy. The insurance company calculates and determines that Beth would have her term insurance death benefit of $500,000 last her um, for the next 35 years, which would take her to age 100 well past her life expectancy. Okay, so those were the options, the five options, but I have a bonus option for those who've stayed to the end and that's called limited pay policies. All whole life policies have a premium payment period. This is the number of years the policy owner must pay premiums before achieving that paid up payment status. The whole life policy will specify this period in the contract and the insurance company cannot change the period after issuing the policy. They can't come chase you down for some more premiums after you've met that magic year. So once the policy owner pays premiums for the entire number of years specified in the contract, the policy is then paid up and requires no further premium payments. None of the options I mentioned above apply if you've fully satisfied the premium payment period. So what are some of those periods? Uh, terms of, of payment might be 10 years, 
20 years to age 65 to age 100 to age 120. Whole life policies can be shorter premium payments or they can be longer period payments. Uh, usually policies with shorter premium payments tend to accumulate cash value faster in the early years. Longer period payments accumulate much more wealth in the later period of time, the later years of the policy. So let's say that you're 50 years old and you think you can fund a policy for the next 20 years. You might be better off with a 20 pay policy versus one that allows you to fund your policy at any point up through age 100. On the other hand, I personally have policies that are gonna allow me to fund premiums up through age 100, and even two of my policies allow through age 120. Why would I want that? Why would I want that? Well, for me, I want the option to add money in the future. At that point in my policy's life, the accumulation on the cash value is so massive every year and so efficiently growing that I don't think I'll be able to find anywhere else in the financial realm at that age for my money to work so effectively. Why would I buy a limited pay policy that forces me to stop paying premiums just when things are getting interesting? If I really want to, I can always use one of the first five options I mentioned earlier to stop paying my premiums. And I really don't like being backed into a corner. You know, so most limited pay policies will force me to stop funding something that I might not want to stop funding. So that's just my personal preference. I mean, your mileage may vary. And we have lots of folks who have policies that are funded for 10 years, 20 years and more. So with all that, We've got a lot of ground we just covered there. Go back and listen to this one again as it gives you some strategies, some insights into what might happen should things go sideways in your financial life. And guys, we're all going to do some sidewinders. We're all going to have some curveballs over our financial life. So you might as well know what to do when those times happen. Getting ready for that rainy day before it hits us, right? So thank you guys for joining me for this week's episode. Lots of great content. I'm so proud to be working with you guys, so many of you. And I look forward to the years ahead. You can reach me at Not Your Average Financial Podcast and click on Request a Meeting if you'd like to learn more about these strategies. And until then, have a great rest of your week. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live different with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.